Welcome to the Companion Chapel. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area, beautiful Ontario, Canada, on this gorgeous March 31st day, 221. The book of Hebrews today, chapter 11. Divine inspiration penned by the Apostle Paul himself, not only for believers, but also waivers in faith. First, please consider your part in the many-membered body of Christ. Participate in glorifying, magnifying, and broadcasting God's saving word. My part is creating this Bible teaching media. Your call to action consists of supporting post-media solutions by way of your time or money contributions. God's word being taught cover to cover, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse requires advertising and a functioning website suitable for search and social Whatever God-given talent you have, God expects you to use it in the many-membered body of Christ. God's blessings will abound on you and yours. Give it up for God at CompanionChapel.com, Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, or e-transfer to email address CompanionChapel at gmail.com. Your gift of as little as $10 a month or $0.30 a day enables me to bring you a Bible teaching podcast a day, every day. You're encouraged to send your biblical questions or prayer requests to email address CompanionChapel at gmail.com or come by for a Bible study to number 338, side row 28-29, Paisley, Ontario, Canada. The number here is 509-706-8876. You can call or text that number. We're in uh, the book of Hebrews today, Hebrews chapter 11, and this is all about faith, the whole chapter. It's a long chapter, so we're going to skip through it pretty quickly here. It's a chapter a chapter of examples of faith. It's a great faith chapter. Verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Um, this means faith is your title deed to your inheritance. And what have you done to do to deserve to hope? And faith without works is dead, as it's written in the book of James. You can't just make up what you're going to have faith in. You have to work and you have to find out what to have faith in, what to have hope in. Verse 2. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Those are the people gone by, like the fathers gone by a long time ago. Okay, three. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Okay, now this is, this is easy. Watch. Worlds is the word aeon. This means, uh, is an expression that refers to time, of the endless future, an endless time past that is divided up into various periods. It's the ages. Okay, this also means, this means, read, this is how I'm going to read this verse, okay? Through faith we understand the perpetuity of time eternal as prepared by God's command. Each dispensation of time has succeeded but did not spring from its predecessor like a seed does from its plant. And we see that from the Ice Age. Science has proven that. The, the world was void and without form, as it's written in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. And science has proved that. It wiped out the super species, the dinosaurs. There was nobody hanging around during that time. There was nothing there. The world was void and without form. God regenerated it into a next state, rejuvenated it into, a next, into this age, the second age. It doesn't come from its predecessor, like there's no evolution. Because if evolution from one age to another, then there would be remains and fossils. And if evolution were true, there would have to be an infinite array of fossils at each minute stage of transition from the single cell to the species we see today. And don't forget species that have come and gone. Those fossils and remains don't exist. So we, we don't even have to have faith to understand that. 
We, we know that. Science has proven that. But we have faith that there's an age to come. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he, being dead, yet speaketh. Abel's obviously dead now, but by his faith he brought the best he could for God. Uh, Cain didn't. Cain just made up his own way and what he thought God should be and what God should, uh, should have received from him. And then he went and offed Abel. Uh, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated or transported that he should not see death and was not found because God had transported him. For before his transportation, he had this testimony that pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, Enoch is written of in, in the book of... Uh, Jude, and he's written of in Genesis chapter 5, Enoch was a prophesying against heathenism. He had faith to do that. Heathenism and debauchery. Enoch walked with Jehovah, walked with Yahweh. Okay, we know that a few verses back um, in chapter 4, there was Enos, and he called upon the name of Jehovah. Now, when you study the manuscripts, you realize that this means he called any god he made up Jehovah, like Cain did. And even Enos in Genesis chapter 4 he named his son, or Genesis chapter 5, he named his son Canaan. And we'll just leave that at that. But we're talking about faith here today, okay? Uh, verse 7. By Noah, by faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not yet seen, uh, moved with fear, that's reverence, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by what she con condemned the world, and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Now, the world, okay, condemned the world. How did Noah condemn the world? God condemned the world. Noah saw it, and he obeyed and had faith. Because Noah's flood, as it's written, when you read the Bible and you translate within the Bible, you realize that the word world there is a, a figure of speech in doshe, which means a part for a whole or a whole for a part. It was the whole world of the Nephilim and Raphium, and they were attacking the seed line of Christ, which was coming up from Eve, the mother of all living, and the, the world being ordered and arranged by Satan via his Nephilim and Raphium, spoken of in Genesis chapter 6 and the book of Jude, and proved by science through fossils and remains. That's the world that had to be flooded out, and it wasn't a worldwide flood. Noah had faith. He was in the middle of nowhere. He built a boat when there was no, not even a dock or a lake anywhere near him. He had faith. And it happened. It went down. All these things happened to these people before they could see anything. Before, before It's like us. Before we can see the new age, we know there's a heavenly age in the new age that's coming. We can see all the things. We're told of all the things. And we see this by the word. Uh, these people got to see it firsthand. The flood. Uh, Enoch got translate, uh, transported out of there. And Abel's faith. Like he, What made Abel give it up for God way back then, before the Bible was even written. Because the Word of God was around. It existed. God exists. He's, he's uh, the God of the living, and He was there. Uh, okay, for Noah, verse uh, 8, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and went out, not knowing whither he went. 
By faith he sojourned in the land of promise and in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him with the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And let's just stop there for a second. Let's talk about Abraham. What, why did Abraham get these blessings? Because Abraham was blessed. Why? Because Genesis chapter 2.18, Genesis chapter 6.25, because Abraham obeyed my voice, God said, my charge, that's my watch, with due diligence, my commandments, my statues. Today we glory the cross and repent. That's our statues. Back then it was blood ordinances. My laws, my instructions. Abraham obeyed. Today, <clears throat> to obey, obey God's voice is today... The voice is that it's the written word, what you're reading right now. And then you get the promises that are written in the councils of eternity. That's your inheritance, as it says in, the, in verse 1. That is your reason to hope because you've worked for hope, because you understand what you're hoping for. And you understand what you're fathing all about. You can't just fade away about something that you've romanticized or created in your own mind through hearsay or whatever information you've got about the Bible, instead of reading the Bible for yourself, God will bring it to light for you upon work and faith. Through faith also Sarah herself, that was Abraham's wife, herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered a child when she was past age because she judged him, God, faithful who had promised. She was like 90 years old. And Abraham was like 100. Uh, with uh, Abraham was 86 when um, Ish, when uh, Ishmael was born from Hagar. That was his first baby mama, Hagar. And Ishmael means all the nations, all the Arab nations. Abraham means father of many nations. So when anybody gets uptight about the Muslims, you think, hey, they're our brothers and sisters through Abraham, father of many nations. We're all brothers and sisters of God down here. Um, also, I, I skipped over something, verse 10 here. When Abraham looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. This... This means we're talking about God, the great architect, designer, and fabricator of all things visible, including the city which hath the foundations, which we don't see yet. But Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, we have the foundation of the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then the rejuvenation starts in verse 2. And then we have the promises of the foundation, which Christ is the cornerstone of the foundation. He is the preparer, the arranger, the constitutor of the ages. The days of his flesh, he came as a, it's, I know it says carpenter, and that's so degrading to call him a carpenter. When you call Jesus Christ a carpenter, you're missing the whole point. It's not the word carpenter at all. It's the word builder, architect, or designer. He's a builder. He came down to build the kingdom of heaven. He formed it. He created it by not compromising with evil. And he, it's valid and legit. It won't accommodate evil. This was, this means he was a tradesman involving planning, calculation, manual skill of a craftsman. He was self-disciplined. He learned to say no to himself. And he was meek through self-discipline. And through that self-discipline, he was able to defeat sin. It wasn't tempting to him. He said no. No guile, no malice, no corruption was found in our Lord Jesus Christ. He has, he's, he is the city. He is the new age where the heaven is. And there's also a hell if you don't want to be part of it. And, and remember, why, did, why didn't Jesus Christ come as a shepherd? Kind of like David was a shepherd. 
Because Jesus Christ came to build a kingdom. He's a builder and he's looking for building materials. And we become the structural fabric of the kingdom of heaven. As it's written, we are pillars in the kingdom of heaven. So be part of this planning and calculation and be part of, be part of the preparing and get yourself ready to be part of the construction material, the, the fabric, the structural fabric of the kingdom of heaven itself. And that's what verse 10 is all about. That's what Abraham already knew. And that's what we know now. Verse uh, 12, Therefore sprang there even of one of him as a good deed, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and the sands by the sea innumerable. You read about that in the book of Genesis. Where are, where are all these people? I watch documentaries on TV. The lost tribes of Israel. The lost tribes. No, they're not lost. When Jacob blessed, when Jacob put his blessings on his children, on the 12 tribes, he blessed Joseph over above and called it Ephraim. He blessed Ephraim, the child, which was be going to become the great uh, leader of the t 10 tribes. Ephraim means double blessed. And Manasseh was with him, and that means forgetful. Where did all, like if, it's, if, we're, if we're a multitude of people, like stars of the sky and seas of the sand, or sand of the, sand of the seashore, innumerable, where are we? Well, Isaac means Saxon, Anglo-Saxons, all through Europe, North America. It is our job. God gave us our job as the husbandman. That means the farmer. We're supposed to till the ground, planting the seeds of truth throughout the world. Doesn't mean go grab a shovel and try and start dig, dig, put a tree in the ground, because I don't particularly enjoy shovels. But I really enjoy planting the seeds of truth, and more people should get into that. We are double blessed, and double is expected of us, and we will be doubly um, judged, because God has given us so much more. Okay, these are 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. That's right. Strangers and pilgrims. Um, what's that mean? Strangers and pilgrims. We're sojourners. We're on a journey here. As children of God, we do not belong to this world. All the evil in the world comes from the human heart. It's all instigated by Satan himself. All the ways and things of the world. This world is not our home. We're only passing through for a time of judgment. Everybody is born once. Passes through the matrix once, born innocent of woman. We went through that in the last uh, chapter. And it's for a time of judgment. We have something to do. God keeps us busy. We go to heaven. We have things to do. He keeps us extremely busy. Think Jacob's ladder. Think being as part of the structural fabric of the kingdom of God. Think being a priestly kingdom, as it's written in the millennium period. Like it's busy, busy time. But there's no evil. You're not walking around thinking about money or politics or conflict or trouble and you're certainly not walking around checking your phone all the time to that internet or, or or social media outlet which are set up to perpetuate conflict they won't be allowed in heaven algorithms are set up to tell you what you want to hear they're not that's not going to be allowed in heaven you have no chance at being corrected. You'll just sit there getting ambushed by people with the same opinions. The internet is a cesspool. Social media is a cesspool. And when you jump in, no matter what your opinion, you're just floating around in there in Satan's 
cesspool of deception. And I could use the analogy of a piece of furniture in the washroom, but I'm not going to. Okay. We're strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Yeah, we're passing through. We have something to do for God. It's God first. Don't think selfish. Think selfless like Jesus Christ did. 14. For they say that such things declare plainly that they seek a country. This word country means a true home. Yeah, we're seeking a true home with our Father. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have opportunity to have returned. No, they, didn't, they weren't mindful of where they were. They don't go back to the ways and things of the world. They don't look back like Lot's wife looked back. People romanticize days gone by. Well, they actually worship days gone by. Oh, if it can only be like 1986 again, right, Napoleon Dynamite? Uh, verse 16. But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly. You got that right. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared them a city. He's made us a place. He's made us a place of peace beyond our present comprehension. All these people know that. We know that. We have faith. And we keep studying to learn how to get there. So nobody can knock that crown off our head. That's our crown of inheritance. That's our ticket into heaven. And it says written in Genesis chapter 2 or 3, hey, be careful about your crown because someone will just come B-slap it right off your head. And then what are you going to do? Be looking back. Oh, I remember what it was like before when everything was good. There was paycheck after paycheck and we had a chicken in the pot and we, you know, it was, it was so nice. Well, you know, don't look back on days gone by. The good times, God allow you good times. And during those good times, he expects you to serve him. Who he giveth much, he expecteth much in return. But when people, when times are good, people just sit back and they, they think they're all that and they pat themselves on the back. Look what I've done. Look at the size of my yard. Three cars in the driveway, a couple motorbikes in the garage. Look at me. Let's put a pool in the back. Just forget about God. That's He's allowing you this, especially in this area here, up by the nuclear power plant. Big salaries for workers you know, tradesmen and laborers, they all get big salaries, big, big hourly wage. And they go around and they just, you know, pimping out their trucks and, and trying to get bigger houses. And it's just crazy up here. It's crazy. There's a lot of money and people just think they're God. They worship money. You can't worship a mammon and the Lord. You can't serve. You have to serve one or the other people up here. So it's so sad to see them. Just they never have any inner peace. So sad to see they worship their money. And it always just leads to disappointments. They try and find fulfillment in the ways and things of the world that money can buy. Like, yeah, it's fun. Fun getting something new. Rip around on it like a new ATV or something. New snowmobile. None of those things I want, but they do. And they don't, they'll never love you back. They just, they're just money pits and it's more money, more money. Just feeding into the system. We have, a, we have a place here. We have an opportunity to go to a country that God has put. That's a true home, a true home. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten. Yeah, he was. Ha Abraham did what he was told. And, and by all means, like, you have to think like this, like, by all intents and purposes, Isaac was dead. Because God told him, take him up there and you're going to chop his head off. So Isaac became a type of Christ in resurrection. Like Obviously, God just pulled back and said, listen, I'm going to give my only begotten son. 
let's see how much faith you have, Abraham. Like you, Abraham was stretched to the max with faith, and he did it. He had faith, as it's written in, in the book of Genesis. I gave the verses earlier. Genesis chapter 22. I forget now. 22.18. Father places. Accounting that God was able to raise him. Okay. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall the seed be called. Yeah, so, so Abraham gets all these promises. There's Isaac born that the seed should be called. And then God says, okay, take him up to the top of the mountain and make sure you take a big uh, machete because you're going to do something up there to him. And then God called it off. He said, okay, you have faith. You, you, you have faith. You did what you were told. Obeyed. 19, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from whence he also he received him in a figure. Okay, concerning the... Um, was also able to receive... Okay, so Abraham was really old. Concerning the age of Abraham, like he was... He was dead as... Of, like his years of making babies was well, way over. Abraham had faith. Abraham had... This is all about Abraham's faith concerning the age of Abraham. And and it shows that Abraham had faith. And God uses, uses Isaac as a type of Christ in resurrection. Because basically he went up there to kill him. But he was just obeying God. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. You remember, God hated Esau. He loved Jacob. He hated Esau. He said they would become two nations. Not just any nations. Two superpower nations. And these blessings took place in Genesis chapter 27. He hated Esau because Esau nations were rouge. Esau just tried to make his own way. Esau sold his heritage. Sold his heritage to get into the kingdom of heaven is the type. But he sold his heritage by becoming the Rush nations, the communist nations, the red nations. Communists and tyrants, the Russia. And Jacob uh, was blessed. Uh, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph. Let's go back to Isaac. Isaac shows faith, shows us faith overcoming the will of his flesh. He was supposed to bless the elder, but he blessed Jacob instead. Okay, a lot of people say Jacob stole that blessing. Well, this was divine intervention. God's saying, hey, listen, you can be born ready to, uh, ready for the inheritance, but you can be a sellout, and you can make up your own way, try and make up your own systems. God hated the systems that dwelt inside Esau, which turned out to be the Rush nations, the, a great nation. People say, well, Esau's nation was just some little city down by the Dead Sea. Well, if God said it would be two great nations, two superpowers... Esau is Rush, Russia and China, the Red Nations, and Jacob, well, Jacob is the house of Israel. Isaac, Sarah, Rebekah, Abraham, and Leah all came out. Jacob means uh, his spiritual name is Israel. The 12 tribes that came from him, the 12, 12 boys he had. Okay, verse, uh, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both sons both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. Ephraim and Manasseh, he, uh, the Saxons, Anglo-Saxons, okay? What, what's it mean by worship, leaning upon his staff? Because he, he, he worshipped God. And even in his old age, when he, was, when he was leaning, he was still worshipping God. Like he, like he listened to God right to his dying day. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention in the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandments concerning his bones. 
like Joseph knew of the exodus that was coming up. Bones to the promised land is what Joseph wanted. He didn't want to be buried in the spiritually corrupt world of, of Egypt. We love Egyptian people, but God said it would be a base nation because there's too much heathenism there that works its way up into the governmental system, and it, it goes on to this very day here in 221. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was proper child, a proper child, and they were, and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. They had faith. The king's commandment was to wipe out kids under two years old, and Moses was born in that time frame, so they had to hide him. But they had faith in God. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh. More, more about um, Moses' parents and his sister. You know, they threw him in a basket. And they had so much faith that he was going to be okay. They they pushed the basket right to where the Egyptian um, girls were taking a bath. Even the Egyptian, uh, not queen, but princess, right out of the Egyptian king's house, the girls, you know, they found him. And they would have known, hey, this isn't, this isn't a little uh, Egyptian. But no, they thought he was a gorgeous kid, and they took him by faith. They did that. Imagine putting your kid in a basket in the river, pushing him towards people that had a, de a decree to kill anyone under two. Like they weren't throwing Moses on a little death run there. They knew. By faith, Moses, when he came to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Yeah, that season would have been really short because... As far as the affairs of time are concerned, he could have lived it up for the next 40 years, 80 years, actually. He says, no, I don't want to. I, I, I know where my faith is. I know where my house is. I know where my destiny is, my inheritance. And no, I'm not just going to party and live, live an easy life here in the castle. I'm going to go out there and I'm going I'm to serve the Lord. That's the faith. These people are extreme faith. Choosing as an as example to us, and the Moses ex esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. But by faith, we, we, let's talk about Moses and Abraham for a second here. Abraham, John 8, chapter 56, I rejoice to see my day. Jesus Christ said. Abraham knew Jesus Christ was coming. Abraham sitting in, in Luke chapter 16. He's there with Lazarus, the poor guy that had no money, and the rich man on the other side. And Abraham's taking you know, a little ribbing from the rich man. Rich man is trying to boss him around. Hey, Abraham, tell Isaac or Lazarus there, go get me a glass of water. Like now, my tongue's dry. Abraham just looks at forget it, dude. You 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 made yourself there. Remember, Abraham gave 10% tithes to Melchizedek. Moses, there at the Mount of Transfiguration, knew of Christ in his day. Matthew 17, 3. So Abraham, Melchizedek, Abraham in the kingdom of God. Abraham mentioned by Christ, I rejoice to see my day. Like these people knew of the age to come. And Moses the same. Moses knew of the day of Christ as it's written here, esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches. Okay, so Moses knew that being a Christian wouldn't be a cakewalk. Hey, man, I can leave. I can sit in this castle here. 
you know, I got people waving palm leaves at me like, like I'm the big shot, man. I'm right up here in, in the, in the castle. It's, it's luxury. And he says, no, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to get my people out of here for God. God, God called me. God calls everybody, but a lot of people don't listen. Many are called, few are chosen. Almost everybody's called, I would say. Moses in the Mount of Transfiguration. Okay, you couldn't see them back then. You couldn't see Christ back then. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Exactly. He kept the Passover. He told people, hey, he obeyed. And they, they kept the first Passover. And the Passover is now, and you're never supposed to... Uh, always remember the Passover. Christ became our Passover, as it's written in um, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. And in Acts chapter 12, 4, in all manuscripts, every single manuscript ever printed, is the word Pasha. And for some reason, some translator put the word Easter in there. Easter is an abomination to God. It's a sexual, it's it's a sexual orgy celebration. It's a pagan sexual orgy celebration that involves the baskets and the eggs, all fertility symbols, and it involves little bunnies fertility symbols. Every time you see the word grove in your Bible, just know that that word grove refers to the Ashtaroth, the spring fertility orgy that pagans celebrate, and somehow they bring that into the church. I haven't heard the word Passover hardly at all on the radio. Passover this year, if you're listening right now, this is March 31st. It is April 3rd, 221, from 6 p.m., the Hebrew day, 6 p.m., April 3rd, to April 4th, 6 p.m., keep the Passover. Not You don't bring the abomination of a sexual orgy and and, and put that over top of glory and the, the, the crowning point of Christianity which is the cross. Jesus Christ became our Passover. You can pass over the ways and things of the world. It's up to you. The crowning point of Christianity was the cross at Calvary, where prophecy was fulfilled and the kingdom of heaven became in, in accordance with this divine written word, in accordance with reality. Just the fact that the word Easter is put in, it, and people can't figure that out, 79 times the word Passover in the Bible. Keep the Passover. Keep the Passover. And some they want to get this little bunny rabbit thing going on and teach the children. Okay, let's do this first. Let's do, let's let's have a pagan celebration. Bring it into the bring it into the church. It's holy. It's good. God likes it. It's okay. Really? What about uh, in the last chapter, chapter ten? For if we sin willfully, after that we will receive the no after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. You sin willfully. You just can't get over it. Oh, it's just a little tradition. Well, tra traditions of men make void the word of God. And that's all there is to it. Moses kept the Passover. You have to keep the Passover too. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 7. Christ became our Passover. Passover the ways and things of the world. And you are getting your ticket stamped to get into the uh, eternity on the right side of heaven. Because there will be another side that ain't so nice. Verse 29. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians assayed to were uh, drowned. Yeah, so the tide went out and the tide came back in on the Egyptians. Whoopie-doo. Everyone thinks, well, how could the sea have parted? Well, you know, there's such thing as tsunamis and there's such thing as large tides. And, you know, it's not a big deal for God to actually do something like this. 
You know, if people are blinded by hate, they're going to go for it. And they were chasing after these uh, two million Israelites, Hebrews, and they skipped through the water. And these guys got hung up in the water and they drowned. And we got put out. Big, who knows? Like, it doesn't mean he just... It, they drowned anyway. If you get caught up in a tide, you're going to drown. And whatever, however God did it, we weren't there. But it's not not too much of a stretch. Okay, let's talk about Rahab here. Oh, no. Uh, verse 30. By, the, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Yeah, they obeyed God's voice. God said, come on, go around there, go around there and chant and chant and chant and watch these people are just going to fold like a cheap lawn chair. Not only that, the walls fell down. They weren't that, built that good anyway. But some of the walls are still up today. Probably where a bricklayer or stonemason with my skills was working. But obviously back then, God gave it a little shaking down with the walls and there you have it. By faith. They did what they were told. They didn't sit back and go, oh, that's stupid. That's not going to do anything. I'm not doing that. No, I got other things. No, that's, you know what God hates? I'm telling you what God hates. Revelation chapter 3, 16 or 3 something. God hates people that sit in the middle, that sit on the fence and just criticize and point fingers and snivel away and don't do anything. God said, I'd rather be you be hot or cold. I'd rather you be hot against me than just sit in the middle and, and be lukewarm, he says. Be in the middle. Be hot or cold. Like, be hot against me or hot with me. But you guys aren't hot or cold. You're lukewarm. You just sit in the middle and, the, and I'll spew you out of my mouth like vomit. Revelation 3.16. People that just sit there and criticize. And sit there and point fingers when they don't know nothing. They, you know, everybody seems to have an opinion about the Bible. Everybody, who asked you anyway? What, like, what gave you the right to to give an opinion on something that you haven't even read? And it is unbelievable. Even Christian people, that's so sad. We pray for everybody. It's not that hard to learn the Bible. It's one book. And let me tell you something: if a white trash kid like me, who could care, didn't even. I didn't even bring my books home. I don't even think hardly any times for studying when I was in high school. I just couldn't stand it. But if a white trash kid like me, mediocre high school grades, tradesmen, can, can take the time to read the Bible, all the things I've done that have upset God, rocking it like an like a insolent little child. And then I came to repentance and started studying. If I can do it, there's no excuse that anyone else can't do it. It doesn't take much. All I did was flip the TV off. In fact, I don't even have a TV anymore. I don't check my phone constantly. And I don't, I don't participate in the cesspool that is the Internet. Because every time I would jump into the Internet and try and get involved with social media, I'd realize, hey, this stuff is just destitute of truth. No matter what your opinion is, I, you know, no matter what my opinion is in social media, I'm just a turd floating around in Satan's toilet of deception. I'm telling you, social media is a cesspool. And you just you just get told what you want to hear. The algorithms are set up for conflict. Say you want to be talking about uh, veganism. I'm a vegan now. Yeah, get on the internet, get on Facebook, or wherever you want to go. And next thing you know, the algorithms pick it up. Hey, vegan, send vegan stuff here. But the algorithms also pick up 
the negative comments. And it gets people all upset. Gets people angry. Look at I'm a vegan. I'm doing good. Look at all these great articles. Look at that comment. Start typing like it's nobody's business. You know, that's what the internet does. Creates turmoil, troubles, division. There's uh, places on the internet that are good, but, uh, you know, it's like a remnant of truth. That's what God said. The world's like a remnant of truth. You have to find the truth. And the remnant of truth, he refers to as people. Okay, so we're talking about uh, faith now, verse 31. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies in peace. You know, that's the fact that they call her a harlot. We have to go back to the customs of the times. Obviously, you're not going to go around and call people harlots today. You know, she was uh, the lineage of Boaz, an Adamite. Okay? She was a flaxseed businesswoman. And guys, man back then, labeled her a harlot out of jealousness because her business was good. She flourished. She had enough flaxseed on her roof to hide people. Therefore, it wasn't a house of ill repute. It wasn't a house of... Uh, ladies of the evening. No, she was a businesswoman, and, and men would just talk about talk like that. It's like today, if you call some a woman, all oh, that dame over there, or if you call her, uh, you know, there's other words. Like it's just a, it's just a word that doesn't fit today at all. But it just is describing how. Hey, that's just a descriptive word. She wasn't a harlot. She was a businessman, and uh, it's unfortunate that that word's there, and she had faith. And she hid these people. It would have cost her business and her life. But she said, no, you guys hide in here. I'm going to cover you with my flaxseed. Like to have enough flaxseed on your roof to hide people. Yeah, she used to dye it. She used to dye with it. She was a good businesswoman. I can't wait to meet Rahab. 32. And what shall I say more for a time would fail me to tell of, okay, here's all these other people we can read in the Bible through the book of Judges, for example, the prophets and the book of Samuel. We're going to talk about these people quickly. Gedeon and, and Barak. We're talking about Judges chapter 6 and 7. Samson, Judges chapter 13. Uh, Jephthah, Judges chapter 11 and 12. They had major faith. I like Samson. He had a bit of a temper, but that's okay. David also. Samuel the prophets, and Samuel of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. They wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions. They had faith before these things. They believed in God, that things would happen. They didn't sit back and go, why is God letting this happen? Woe is me. It's life really hard. Where the people would look at me and go, well, you're a Christian, look at you. You live in grinding poverty. Hey, you're dirty. So if you're a Christian, you'd have six cars in your driveway, and you know you'd, you'd be like you'd be balling around town. Where does it say that? We're just passing through the ways and things of the world. We don't want after them. So don't listen to what people say. Rot righteousness, obtain promises, stop the mouth of lions. We read about all these. David, uh, uh, Daniel, quench the violence of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Waxed valiant and. Fight, turn to flight the armies of the aliens. This is deliverance. Okay, women receive their dead, raised to life again through faith, as we read in the Bible. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. Okay, Satan's going to try and deliver you. Don't forget what it says. Uh, your even your mother and father and your brothers were trying to deliver you up to death. No, I'm not going to accept that. 
I don't care if they but they they say here's a million dollars, Michael, in folding cash. You can do whatever you want with it. And here's a golden brick road right up here. You just have to just put down your Bible, Michael. Just just put it down. Just conform. Just conform to the ways and things of the world, pal. You'll be fine. No. Forget it. I know there's something terribly wrong with it. And I'm not going to accept that kind of deliverance. That they might obtain a better resurrection. Really? I'm, I'm going to attain a better resurrection. If God willing, I'm trying. I have faith in God. Obtain the better resurrection. The deliverance that Satan has leads to death. And others had trial of cruel mockings. Yeah, we all get mocked and we're all going to get... Uh, you know, we're not many of us going to get scorched, but around the world you are, depending where you are. Here in Canada, I'm pretty safe to have a Bible, but other places around the world, not even going to scourge you. They're going to swat your head off. People in places like China and Russia and places where, it's, where there's extreme uh, Islam or extreme religion against uh, Christians, they have the most faith. Like they're risking their lives just to try and sneak in a few pages of the Bible. Bless those people. We pray for those people. What's your excuse here living in Canada, United States, or Europe? I guarantee you, you have a Bible somewhere. Blow the dust off it. You can get one. It's the most printed, best-selling book in the history of mankind. You have no excuse. It's one book. Not Just read it. Read it, and the threads will start to come through to you, and you'll start to see a pattern, and then you find yourself a teacher like myself, if you want, or whoever is going to teach you chapter by chapter, verse by verse. You'll never get taught. There's many wolves in sheep's clothing. As it's written in uh, the book of, uh, let's see, Second Corinthians, go to Second Corinthians chapter 10. And we're talking about, uh, or chapter 11, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is disguised as an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, that's the people behind the pulpit today, be also transformed as the ministers of righteousness. Oh, yes, they look all righteous with their dress on and everything. Listen, if he's not teaching the Bible, if he's using the Bible as a book of quotes, if you can't go up to him and ask him, okay, teach me this, or if you, or if you can't go sit in your pickup truck after going to a church for three months, open your Bible and, and say, okay, where, what have I been learning here? Like don't don't look at his little pamphlets full of uh, nifty little sugar-coated quotes. Open your Bible to any page. Open your Bible to where you think he's been teaching you. And and if you can't if you can't pick up on the subject and object and loving message being conveyed, then this guy's just using the Bible as a book of quotes. March in and ask for your money back. Find someone who's going to teach it for you. Find someone who's going to give you faith, and and give you hope. And that's the word of the Lord. You can't just make up who you fade away in. Okay, now there's a lot of stuff that happened to people that held their ground and that's still happening to this day. Like they might get mocked, scourged, that's beaten. More of them bonds get thrown in jail and imprisonment. Okay, they were stoned like Paul was stoned. Not like, dude, pass the reefer, let's do a bowl. Whatever they say nowadays, whatever's cool. Not that stoned. I mean, people picked up stones off the ground and winged them at people to hurt them. And they were sawn asunder. Now a lot of people think that's what happened to our great, the great prophet Isaiah. Maybe, maybe not. But there's a lot of other history books that say that's what happened to Isaiah. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. 
What does this mean? It means destitute. It means lacking in the luxuries and material things in the worldly, worldly things, okay? That's what that means. Sheepskins and goatskins, that's what John the Baptist wore. He, didn't, he wasn't standing down there by the river in a dress, fancy dress with his hair combed perfectly. He was down there teaching the Bible like Jesus Christ did, teaching the Bible. He was wearing sheepskin and goatskin and camel skin. He wasn't, he wasn't walking around like some big shot thinking he's all out in a bag of chips begging for money. Neither did Christ. Christ walked in, flipped tables, picked fights, and called the lead clergy. You're the father. You're de your father's the devil. And what did he do? Did he say to his uh, disciples, now pick up all this money that I flipped over here. Let's get out of here. Let's book it. No, he walked right over. It has no value. He put no value on money. He put no value. They put a, they put a money value on him. 30 shekels or 30 pieces of silver. And that's 30 pieces of silver in the Bible is what, what, it, what your fine would be if you injured a slave. Yeah, they injured him, but they didn't kill him. Okay, afflicted, afflicted means, you know, be meek. Afflicted through self-discipline. Learn to say no to yourself. And tormented. All through the years, you know, people get tormented and they just get, you know, picked on and laughed at. And they say to me, oh, Michael, what's a silly little thing you're doing? This is a silly little thing. When are you going to stop doing this? Like, where's your job site? Get back to get back to your construction job. I'm like, no, I work for the Lord, man. None, none of your stuff has any value to me. God will provide me with the basic necessities of life and a many-member body for me to go to or they can come here. And it's all, all up to the Lord. That, that will be done. Of whom the world was not worthy. It had no, it had no value to them, the ways and things of the world. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. In other words, oh, remember you found the Dead Sea Scrolls, the manuscripts hidden in caves in these times? Well, what were they doing out there? Well, because in the cities, people, would, people were trying to rip Christianity right out of people's hands. But nowadays, they do the same thing. Like they just, you get caught up in the ways and things of the world and, you don't, and you're, you're pressed. You fall in into the flood. We're falling into the waters, which is written in uh, Revelation chapter 17. When Jesus Christ said, walk on water, he said, yeah, keep your head up. Don't look down. You'll get flooded out by the ways and things of the world. That was the lesson being conveyed. And what is the waters? Revelation chapter 17, the great glossary chapter of the Bible. The waters is the people's ways and things of the world. Of whom the world was not worthy, they won okay, 39. And these things, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Yeah, these people haven't even got a Bible to carry around yet. They didn't even have Jesus Christ yet. They had faith. God having provided something, some better thing, the New Testament, for us, our Lord Jesus Christ, that they without us should not be made perfect. Exactly. We have this Bible now. And that's what we give great thanks for, that Jesus Christ came. He did not compromise with evil. He gave us a way that we can be made more mature, that we can mature in the Christian way. And that's what perfect means, maturing, trying to be perfect, trying to be like Christ. He was the only one perfect. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed that. That's chapter 11, the book of Hebrews. My name is Mike. This is a companion chapel. Come on by. It's number 338, Side Road. 28-29 Paisley, Ontario, Canada. And you can come by for a Bible study or you can call your 519-706-8876 call or text or better yet, email companionchapel at gmail.com and whatever you can do to promote 
this podcast, to share with this podcast, get involved in post-media solutions. That's your calling. Jesus Christ wants you to participate in glorifying and magnifying His Word. Be part of planting the seeds of truth throughout the world. I want to thank you very much for listening. Have a great day and bye for now.